0: Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. It is an honor to be here and I'm excited to share uh, with the group what what God has, has laid on my heart. But I really want to begin, you know, with more of a a drop the mic moment and really just say to you today, I'm a sinner. You know, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so I communicate that mainly because, again, I'm not Pastor Sean. I'm not Pastor Aaron. There's been some incredible men of God that spoke to this group, Uh, Jake Sapp, uh, Jason Calder, Uh, Pastor Lears, Pastor Sprague, a a lot of people that have come up here. Uh, I'm here today and know this, that I'm just walking through an open door and I love the Lord with all my heart with all my soul and with all my mind. And I believe if you give me just a few moments today of your time uh, and I share what God has laid on my heart, I believe that God's going to speak to you. So um, I want to begin today uh, by just talking a little bit about just how amazing God is and how God works. So um, I think when he speaks to me, he has to pick out a special way because he's knowing, he knows he's dealing with a, a special individual. And so um, and I, I kind of want to create just a, a mental picture if I could, uh, so I'm going to grab this chair, and it's like God has to lay everything out for me in simplistic terms, one thing at a time, so I get the message. And so if you could, I want to try and create a picture of, say I'm sitting down for, for dinner. Uh, I'm sitting down at a table, and maybe it's about Thanksgiving time, and uh, I'm sitting there at the table and two hours ahead of whatever the event is going to be. And over time, maybe someone trickles in and drops off some, some salt and pepper. So at that point, I'm starting to get the, the inclination. I'm not at the table for a meeting, but I'm actually there to eat dinner. And then uh, things will kind of start trickling in, maybe some of the accessories. They'll put down a, a plate. Okay, well, I know now I'm not just here for a little snack. I'm here to actually take part in perhaps a meal, uh, and then uh, some of the uh, utensils start coming out uh, I've got the the salad fork that's good. I like salad um, the again, this is not etiquette class the other fork I don't know what it's <laughs> called uh, but you've got the the main meal fork, I guess you I would say uh, my backwoods Alabama way. Uh, and so I know, okay, well, good, because I, I I obviously eat more than just salad on a regular basis, and so I like the fact that I'm going to have a big meal, and of course, you got the, the butter knife there. Well, that's good, because that means we're going to have rolls, and what good are rolls without some butter? And so then, you know, some of the, the hot pads start coming out to hold some of the side dishes, and so me, in my calculated manner, I start counting one, two, three, you know, and so then I get excited because I know I'm not just here for a dinner, but I'm here for a feast. And so, you know, and then out of nowhere comes this aroma of something good to eat. I start getting serious then because I'm really excited. Just my senses are engaged. And so then, you know, people start trickling in and they start adding all the different side dishes of of mashed potatoes and, and green bean casserole and yams and, uh, you know, sweet potatoes and and just the whole. Anybody hungry yet? Okay. And so we got the whole nine yards, all the fixings. Again, that's an Alabama word. I'll interpret that for you after the service if you want to uh, reach out to me. Um, so all of that comes to people trickle in, and then of course with all the fanfare, uh, you know, the turkeys dropped in, and we've got the main course, and of course we start digging in and, and eating it up. And so um, that's how God has to has to speak to me because it's like he has to lay out all the pieces. Now, I share that with you today simply because that's how God speaks to me. And can I say that God has a special way that he wants to speak to each and every one of you? You know, it says in, in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You know, you may come here today and think, you know, I'm going through life all alone, or no one understands me, or, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, out there on an island all by myself. But can I tell you that that God knows exactly where you're at? And he's got something special to say to you, and just for you. You know, we serve a God that's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, and he's everywhere all at the same time, and he can meet you exactly where you're at. So God began to do this and set the table for me to help prepare me for something that he really wanted to say to me. And I have to go back probably about a year to a sermon series that Sean talked about being unmasked. And I don't know anybody remember that sermon series, Unmasked. And so if you'll give me just a second, I want to kind of reflect a little bit uh, on that sermon series and highlight some of those things uh, that Sean talked about. So he began the sermon series by having on this table uh, a handful of kind of different pillows with different faces. And some had happy faces, and some had faces with the eyes and hearts, and, you know, even had heroes' masks. And and one of the points that he talked about and made, it says that... um, that a lot of us put on happy faces, even though we may not be happy, or we put on, uh, you know, pretend to be a superhero when we're just perhaps an ordinary guy. And he communicated that, however, in light of putting on those masks, we might be fooling man, but we're not fooling God. And he referenced the the Genesis twenty seven eighteen and nineteen, where where Jacob uh, receives Esau's blessing through deception. And he also talked about sometimes we wear masks to hide from others our true selves. However, a person of integrity has nothing to hide and nothing to fear. So I want to talk about just those two words for just a second, fear and integrity. And and the first one is fear. Do do we have any hypochondriacs in the house today? Oh, (laughs) of course, they won't admit it now. But, uh, uh, you know... I look at hypochondriacs or someone that, that constantly live in fear. You know, you, you hear online about, oh, that, the swine flu. You know, oh, I had, I had pork today. I just, I just, mm, not feeling well. It's that swine flu. I just know it. Or, or you know, you had some chicken. I, that, uh, you know, I hear that salmonella is going around. I, ju- I just know it's that salmonella. Or, you know, it, you, you're a little flaky. You hadn't quite uh, lotioned down like you shoot on a regular basis. and, and it, Oh, it's, it's shingles. I just know it. I've got the shingles. You know, or, or you've been exercising or out in the yard doing different things, and, and you're, you're a little sore. That wrist, though, really, really hurts. Oh, it's carpal tunnel. I just know it. I just know it as carpal tunnel. You know, and so, you know, hypochondriacs are, you know, someone that constantly live in fear. And I'll, and I'll be honest with you, I went through a season in my life where I, too, kind of, had a sense of fear, a spirit of fear, and it was the, the fear of failure. Now, granted, I'm extremely competitive by nature. I don't like to lose. And so lose means that I've, I've failed, and it got so bad at, at one point that I literally could not enjoy the victories because of knowing that, okay, well, if I, if I won this time, that means next time I'm, I'm probably going to lose. I mean, is that messed up or what? And so, you know, I really went to God to, to get uh, some, some answers to this. You know, and I found in, in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I knew this was obviously not of God. And, and, and so I went with, with great spiritual authority attacking this. And, and I want to point out too in that scripture where it talks about I didn't attack fear, but I attack the spirit of fear. You know, we learn in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 7 where it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so I want to encourage someone, if you've got something in your life right now, that you can go to God, and I'll tell you that more than likely it's not, that physical thing that you're struggling with, but it's that spiritual undertone behind it. But we understand that when we go to God in prayer, that He can come in and intervene and meet us at the point of the need because we serve a God that can take on those spiritual battles for us and fight those things for us. Now, that's what I dealt with with fear. And and I'll tell you, hearing those things and having God uh, help me and correct me, sometimes that's not always not always easy to hear, um, but when he started talking about integrity, I was okay with that. Now, uh, I've, we've got three boys in the house, and, and I'm excited to, you know, to raise them. They, they, they keep it interesting. We'll say that. And, um, and let, me, let me just stop and, and make a point right there. Uh, is there anybody here that's also helping train your teenager to drive? Let me just tell you this: We could have skipped this whole sermon. We could have lined up and taken rides with them, and I promise you, you would have drawn closer to God at the end of it. (laughs) Oh God! God. I'm telling you, that handrail is getting a workout. I tell you. Uh, But having these three boys, I, uh, you know, I constantly want them to to grow up and, and be honorable men. And so, the word that we use a lot in our house is show some integrity. Be a man of integrity. And the definition that I use with that is do the right thing when no one's looking. Now, granted, some of that is because I know that they're starting to gain a little independence and they're getting out from under, um, from under us. And so, you know, I don't want to be bailing them out of jail and stuff like that. And I want them to do the right thing. Uh, and so in, in looking at doing the right thing when no one's looking you know you know I kind of went to God you know with my with my chest out and my head held high saying you know God hey you know the fear thing you know might have been true but but I've got this integrity stuff down this is something that I preach that I'm intentional about and God kind of pulled me a little bit to the side and said yeah you're absolutely right you're intentional about that you're also intentional about some other things in your in your home and let's talk about that and and I said okay and so I began to share you know God I'm intentional that I I want them to see me give, and I'm intentional. I want them to see me serving. I want to set that example, and I want them to see me showing grace and mercy. And God stopped me and said, what if you quit being intentional about showing that, and why don't you become that? And I'll tell you that just when I was feeling proud of of what I wanted to do, or where I was at, God hits me with that, and It's so funny, as the word goes forth and God steps on your toes, what do we tend to do? We start looking at our neighbor. Hey, you listen to this, he's talking to you. You know, we start looking around like he's not talking to me. God's my friend, and I'm very transparent with him. So my attitude was more of, seriously, you know... I'm trying, you know, and I was just very transparent with God, but at the same time, I knew he was right, and I knew I had to make a change, and I had to make a commitment, so at that point, I really made a a, a kind of a a commitment and and an oath to God to say, okay, God, I want to do everything that you have for me, I want to not just be that image or set that example, but I want to become that person. And so I went through the scriptures and found Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23. But it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So I began to use that scripture as a barometer and a gauge for perhaps the, the characteristics that I should be uh, displaying uh, on a regular basis, and I'll tell you, I went out of that sermon series feeling nothing more than a glamour-shot Christian. Now, just out of curiosity, you guys do understand what I mean when I say glamour-shot Christian, right? Anybody familiar? Okay. So, glamour-shot, i got to take a second just to stop because I'm not quite getting the feedback, so we're gonna, you're going to drill down on this a little bit. Um, a glamour shot is when someone tries to create an image of something that they are not. Now, I'm sure many of you are familiar with glamour shots. This was popular back in the 80s and 90s. But just in case you're not too familiar, let's, let's take this, take a glance at this video clip above. Okay. Turn your head on more of a slant. Take a fist, and slowly ease it up underneath your chin. This is looking really good. You can say that again. <sighs> okay, hold still right there. Now, just imagine you're weightless in the middle of the ocean, surrounded by tiny little seahorses. That was the one I think that's going to come out really nice. All right, so, so does that refresh your memory a little bit about Glamour Shots? And uh, and I'll be honest with you, I did some research uh, on this. And granted, this is popular back in the 80s and the 90s. And it was interesting to find out that in spite of not seeing them on a regular basis, that there are still 14 states that still have... Glamour Shot videos, and I thought it would be only fair to give them a little free publicity today, Uh, and so let's take a a look at the screen above. So here we've got a participant in a Glamour Shot. Now, I'm not really sure what we're going for. You can't really see it, but she's holding an apple. Um, I'm going to guess she's probably about eight or nine, and so maybe her train of thought would be, well, I want to look like an adult, but the only adult I can think of is my Seventh grade math teacher Miss Fletcher, or fourth grade math teacher, so have me look like that okay next picture all right, so uh, this guy I don 't know if you can tell, but he's got he's got a leather jacket on he's obviously a big fan of grease uh, and so but of course he's wearing no shirt, so maybe his mindset would be I'm buff I don't need a shirt, but I like the movie grease next picture <laughs> all right. Um, by the look on the lady's face, I'm going to say she's realized this was a bad idea. <laughs> All right, next. All right, so, so this is awesome. So um, a lot of these uh, glamour shots, they had staple poses that they would have. Uh, I like to you know, call this one you know that turnaround pose. I did some research on this too. This is actually called the over-the-shoulder smolder. Is what this is called? So, uh, staple glamour shot pose. Next picture. Oh yes. Yeah. So again, this is the '80s now. So what with the '80s? The bigger the hair, the better. Next one. And of course, you know, uh, <laughs> Uncle Uncle Rico with that chin prop up uh, pose. So obviously, this is humorous uh, and, and very entertaining uh, to us, but. But what if I said to you that perhaps many of us today still pose for glamour shot, but it's just through perhaps a different lens? You know, and that's what I felt after going through that sermon series, that I was nothing more uh, than a glamour shot Christian, that what I was doing, that I had come to the realization uh, that I was at times guilty of doing nothing more than creating a facade or a made up image rather than being that image that God wants me to be in demonstrating the fruits of the spirit. So what I did is I, I made a kind of a commitment at that point to to try and, and correct that. And like I've already said, I'm originally from Alabama and um, there's probably already been words I've said that you don't know or understand or something like that. Uh, Eric made a, a funny joke asking if, if my southern draw was going to come out when I was talking. Were we going to have to add subtitles to what I was saying? Uh, but being from the south, you know, a common term that's used on a regular basis is a redneck. Uh, if, if that offends you, I'm sorry. In, in the south, that is a badge of honor. Uh, And so uh, there was a comedy routine that went out that was, you might be a redneck if. And so I don't know who did it. I don't follow whoever the comedians are. But I did kind of come with a little similar type of list of, you might be a glamour shot Christian if. And so the first one is, you might be a glamour shot Christian if, if you try to please God from the outside in. You know, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, Man looks on the outer, but God looks on the heart. You know, so many times we try and get ourselves prepped to come to God. When all God has ever asked is for us to come as you are and whosoever wants to come. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when we truly understand this concept that God loves us and wants us for exactly who we are, and we can come to him and be open and honest with him, then we're kind of getting beyond that point of being a glamour-shot Christian. Number two, when church attendance is viewed more as an event rather than an encounter with God. Now, I'll be honest, I kind of, to a degree, was raised with a spiritual silver spoon in my mouth. Uh, what I mean by that, I had a great home home. Uh, great upbringing, I probably on one hand could count the number of church services that I missed from two weeks old to in my lower 20s. And, and this was back in the day, old school church attendance where you went on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and maybe a revival a couple of times during the year where it's every night of the week. And so you can go through that and really just lose the, the, the importance in the uh, just the quality of those encounters, but I want to tell us today is that whenever we get in the presence of God, we are not just hearing a, an incredible band, or, or you know, hearing someone really speak in a quality way, but the presence of the Almighty God is there. Matthew eighteen twenty says, "Where two or three are gathered together in My name, there I am." Uh, in the midst of them. So understand, when we come to church, it's not about just being able to check a box off of it, but it's about having an encounter with God. Because when we get in the presence of God, again, we're in the presence of God, the one who died on the cross for our sins, the one that can heal us and save us. And everything across the board that we could ever need in life, He's there. So again, number one, trying to please God from the outside in. Two, Church attendance being viewed more as a, an event rather than an encounter with God. And then three, when time in the Word is more about accomplishing something rather learning from, rather than learning from God-inspired teachings. And you can even talk about this when talking about memorizing Scripture. So, Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Now, I think... Uh, All word of God is inspired, but I think it was intentional when he talked about the scripture in hid. See, he didn't say tattoo. He didn't say stamped. Why? Because those are visible things. But he's wanting us to hide the word in our heart so that we might not sin against. They look at it from an example of of a seed in plant life. Do we ever put seeds on the surface? For people to see? No. In order for them to grow and produce, we've got to bury them. You know, I think God, I believe God wants us to bury his word in our heart and not just go through the motions. I I look at, you know, learning scripture. If we're not careful, it can become nothing more than a glorified recital. You know, the Bible speaks, resist the devil and he will flee from you. When the devil comes up and attack you, you don't just repeat those words to him. The Word of God is, is telling us to actually implement those things. And so these are three things that God began to challenge me on, trying to, to get out of that mold of, of being a glamour-shot Christian. And I'll tell you, what I've just shared with you, with you was just so profound. And hopefully you're understanding the sarcasm in my voice right now. Because I literally just said, we need to have quality church attendance. Quality reading of the word and quality coming to God in communion with him. Prayer, reading of the word, and church attendance. I mean, did that just not blow your mind how deep that was? But sometimes when we go through the motions, we lose sight of the quality of what we can be doing. And and that's what God was challenging me on. Because what I didn't want to do is I didn't want my relationship with him to become stale. You know, and this is, is best told through a story of, of a young minister. You know, he kind of had it all figured out. What he was going to do is he was going to go through, uh, you know, and get his four-year bachelor's degree. And then he was going to go from there and getting his bachelor's degree. And he was going to go and go to a, a Bible college. He was going to get his um, theology degree take nothing but bible and theology classes and he did that and so then he you know went into the ministry and eventually full-time and what he did is he surrounded himself with other ministers to kind of help guide him and be a mentor to him because going into the ministry for the first time can be somewhat difficult somewhat intimidating and so as he surrounded himself with these ministers they begin to talk with him and say hey there's going to be some times that you're going to slip you're going to stumble it's okay to mess up. You may quote the wrong scripture, or you may do this wrong or that wrong. And he said, so don't be afraid to fake it till you make it. It's kind of the motto that he shared with this individual. And he said, don't be afraid to fake it till you make it. And of course, this individual was, you know, he was happy to do that because he didn't want to mess up or, you know, kind of just wanted to continue on regardless of the stumbles. And so he did just that. The only problem with that is what started out was fake it till you make it slowly evolved into just faking it. And so, obviously, that's not a recipe for success. So over time, what happened was he, he slowly fell out of ministry, he slowly quit attending church on a regular basis, and then his marriage fell apart. And I, I tell you that Mainly because that story kind of hits a little close to home. Because you're looking at that guy. See, I had it all figured out. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I was on the path that God had for me. But somewhere along the way, I lost my path. I just started going through the motions. And I'll tell you, it's, it's been a long journey back. Um, it's probably been a decade since I've been in front of a church body like this speaking. But it's amazing to know the grace and the mercy of God. And so I share that with you a lot of what we're talking about tonight or, not, or today, not to, to get your pity or anything like that, but if I can somehow be a voice of reason or a wake-up call for somebody that may be in a position right now where they're just going through the motions or they're just doing things to check things off a box. It's funny, the, the process that I went through uh, to, to get back here, I, I came a point in my life where uh, I had hit rock bottom And I hated the guy that I saw in the mirror every day. And so I reached out to God and said, God, I need your help. And it's funny, when you hit rock bottom, I learned two things there. And that is one, Jesus is that rock at the bottom. And not only that, but that rock at the bottom is a pretty good foundation to build on. And so I recommitted my life to God and, He took that and slowly began to mold me and shape me. And I'll tell you, I sat at a small church back in Kansas for some time, and it was very small. You're talking about 10 or 12 people. And I did that on purpose because I just needed a time to heal. I had a preacher that preached the word, and that's all I was worried about. And my prayer during that period of time was, God, break me, spill me out, and make me over again. No more me, but you alone. That's the way it's got to be. And that's a song that we used to sing growing up, but that became my prayer. And God slowly began to to add things and and speak to me during that time. And there's three things that I want to go over that were keys to my redemption, keys to, to, to my way back. And number one is, having a necessary yet uncomfortable conversation with yourself. You know, so many times we lie to ourselves saying we're okay. We, we kind of deceive ourselves and begin to believe some of those things that we say are exactly how God wants them. You know, we're expecting and trying perhaps to live a a life that's pleasing in His sight, yet we lie to the first person we see in the mirror every day, which is ourselves. You know, Proverbs 11 verse 3 says, Honesty guides good people. And so the first thing is, is just be honest with ourselves. Number two, recognizing the difference between imitation and application. See... Imitation is acting like something. Implementation or application is when we become that. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. See, God's not looking to hand out Oscars to the best actor or actress. He's wanting to write biographies about people that are living life according to his word. And then three, learn to accept his redemption. You know, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What we need to understand is the price has already been paid for our redemption. And that's a tough pill to swallow when you hit rock bottom of your, or you're going through things. Because the enemy's favorite line is always, you've gone beyond God's grace. You're damaged goods, you're no good. God can't use you anymore. He doesn't have a place in his kingdom for you. You know what Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. So, in the midst of us cursing him and resisting him and living in a way that wasn't pleasing to him, living in sin, it was during that point that Christ died for us. I always like to picture the image of, you know, he was asked for this sinner and this sinner and this sinner, how much do you love them? And he spread his arms as far as he could, and that's when he was nailed to the cross. In the process of him telling everyone how much he loved them, he took on our sins. So again, it's, it's been a long journey to get back here, and I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way. But one of my favorite scriptures, and it's not one that I've got ready to come up, but it's, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, when I made that commitment and I started getting things right with God, he was true to his word. Because when I got right, he started to add things to my life. So I stand here today with a wife and three boys. I don't have any other family, they're all I got. And I'm very, very proud of him. I've got Christian. He's got a great talent uh, with music. And I'm excited about what God's going to do through that. I've got Jonah. Um, He's just a soul winner. Um, Be around him a little bit. He wants to tell you about God, whether it's at work, whether it's social settings. I'm very proud of him. Then there's Teddy. My God. You know, what's funny is he's probably the one that reminds me of me. He scares me. But, uh, um, but at the same time, I'm excited about what God's going to do through him. He's still coming into his own. And probably if he were to see what I see God could do through him, it'd probably scare him half to death. So all in due time uh, with that. And then, of course, my wife. Again, I wouldn't have the three boys if it wasn't for her. She um, she in, inspires me. Um, she encourages me to be a, a better husband and a better dad. Uh, she challenges me. She, she's better looking than me, so I'm married up. <laughs> but she's just she's just such a blessing. I'll tell you. Uh, I appreciate what God has done in me and my testimony, but her her testimony is powerful. Um, She'll she'll share it all one day in the right time, in the right place. But, you know, I look at what people call um, coincidences. Uh, I call coincidences when God chooses to remain anonymous. I believe in divine intervention. And... I don't think it's by chance that God has brought me to a church. When I struggled with faking it, he brought me a church that part of their mission statement is real people, real God, real church. And so, as the as the band comes back up to close us out in worship, I've got a I've got a couple ask Of you today. So if you're here today and you've never experienced a relationship with God, I encourage you to invite God into your life today. And you can do this by saying three simple things God, I I want you, God, I need you, and God, I accept you. And I'll tell you, when you do that, uh, you know, grab me, grab Pastor Aaron, grab a greeter, go to the welcome desk, and share that good news with someone because we want to we celebrate uh, with you. You know, I, I looked at the title of, of what I should title this sermon, you know, because you always talk about sermons and, and catchy titles. And, and, of course, my mind quickly went to, to Glamour Shot Christian. You know, that's got a little more catchy appeal to it. But you know, you can see that I finally concluded on on redeemed because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I stand here today, not that same guy I was. But I stand here today redeemed. And I want someone else to have that same experience of redemption then perhaps you're here today and you already have a relationship with God, but you want to continue to to grow in God. And I challenge you to grab that checklist and grab those keys to redemption and and have those uncomfortable conversations with yourself uh, and be honest with God so that you can draw closer to Him. I wonder if we could just all stand here today. And I'm going to close in prayer and then the band's going to come up and and lead us in one last form of worship. But I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to share this and I pray that someone walks out of here changed uh, and impacted in some way, form or fashion. So if you would, just bow your heads. God, I, I want to thank you today for this opportunity to share really your amazing grace. You know, your word says you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And I can I can truly testify to that today. And God, for those that are here today that, that may not know you or have a relationship with you, God, I, I, I pray that you give them strength to step out in faith and invite you into their lives right now. And Lord, I really just pray for this whole group of people that that's here today that, that you'll They'll take something uh, that was spoken today and encourage them and challenge them and bless them. God, I pray that you might be glorified in all of it. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.